Well, good morning, church. So nice to be in the house of the Lord and just to be able to worship Him and to spend time in His Word. So let me open in prayer and let's commit this message to the Lord. Father God, we just want to say that we love you. We love you with all of our hearts. We're so grateful for who you are and your compassion towards us, your children. We thank you for giving us your word. Your word really is a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. Holy Spirit, you know each one of us by name. You know every detail of our lives. You know what we're going through and what we're facing. I ask that you will take this message and that you will minister it deep into each person's heart and that it will bring hope and encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I've titled this message, Trust in the Lord, and I'd like to start off by reading two passages of Scripture, and the first is Genesis 15, verse 5 to 6, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, If you've got your Bibles here, you might want to keep them open. I'm going to be touching on quite a lot of Scriptures through Genesis, um, but the first one is Genesis 15, verse 5 to 6. It says the following, Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. The second scripture reading is a familiar one. It's actually a favorite verse for many, many people. It's found in Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. And this time I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I think that these two passages of scripture are verses that are worth committing to memory. Genesis 15 Verse 5 and 6, and Proverbs 3, also verse 5 and 6. So there's an easy way to keep them in mind. And uh, they are verses that we need to return to very often in our lives. The first reminds us of God's greatness and that He is a promise-making God. I mean, the stars are His handiwork. He made them. And then without skipping a beat, God promises Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the night sky. What a promise. The second verse reminds us that we can trust in and depend on the Lord when we go through a different season in our lives and through different change points in our lives, that we can trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. We don't have to lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, we can acknowledge Him, and He will, He will direct our paths. So I'm going to be touching on the life of Abraham, but the four points of today's sermon are based on Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. So point number one is trust in the Lord with all your hearts. I've just read Genesis 15, verse 5 to 6 to you, but if we go a few chapters back to God's first conversation with Abraham, and uh, this conversation contained a promise, it also contained a promise, And Abraham once again responded very positively to God's promise. He responded with faith. Abraham really does show us what trusting the Lord with all of our heart looks like. So turn a few pages back in your Bible to Genesis 12, 
Verse one to four, I'm gonna read, and this time from the New International Version. Genesis 12, verse one to four. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What a sentence. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. How's that for a response in faith? So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Abraham actually grew up in a city called Ur, and Ur is in modern-day Iraq. That's where he grew up. And a number of years before his father, his father's name was Terah, he had taken the family and uh, had been en route to Canaan. It's actually interesting. So maybe at some point God had whispered to Terah and said, listen, I want you to be in Canaan. But they hadn't reached Canaan. They'd actually gone to a city called Haran, and Haran is in modern-day Turkey, and they had settled there. But now here we see God speaking to Abraham, and he says, now, Abraham, I want you to leave your father and your home and everything here, and I want you to go to the land that I will show you. Now, uh, it's interesting that sometimes God calls us to something, but he doesn't actually give us all the details. Any of you had that happen to you? (laughs) But here we see Abraham, he responds in obedience, and he starts out on a faith journey that involved a 700-kilometer walk to a specific town in Canaan. God had made Abraham an incredible promise, and Abraham trusts in the Lord with all of his heart, and he says yes. Now, the dictionary defines trust as the firm belief in the reliability, the truth, or the ability of someone or something. Can I read that again? So trust is the firm belief in the reliability, the truth, or the ability of someone or something. That's what trust is. I remember when Colin was very little, little guy, two, three years old, if I was in a swimming pool, he's always loved water, that boy of mine, and uh, he would jump into the pool. Jump into the pool, under the water, knowing that I would catch him, bring him up again, and uh, put him on the side, and then he would go, again, Dad, again. And uh, he would jump, and he completely trusted me. In the water, under the water, catch him, pick him up. No fear. He knew that he could trust me to catch him. Now, children actually teach us what trust looks like. If you really think about it, it's the kids that know uh, what trust is all about. One of the teachings in our Catch the Fire School of Ministry is titled, Restoring Childlike Trust. Beautiful title, Restoring Childlike Trust. Let me read you a few extracts from that teaching. Those who have done Catch the Fire will know them. Uh, But here's a sneak advert for the rest of you who want to attend next year. And so, restoring childlike trust. First one, God has created you with a trusting heart. Do you believe that, that God created you with a trusting heart? It's not your fault if you have trust issues. But if you do have trust issues, the Lord wants to restore childlike trust to you. 
The Father wants you to be able to sleep in a boat in the midst of a storm. To trust Him no matter what is happening around you. No matter what uncertainty you are facing. Just like a child. You are in the palm of His hand. And if He looks after the birds of the air, He will certainly look after you. Beautiful. Let me ask you a question. I really want you to think about this. Uh, don't just let it go over your mind. So what are you trusting the Lord for at this present moment in your life? Okay, I'm going to give you a moment. What are you trusting the Lord for at this present moment in your life? It might be one or two or three things that just immediately come to mind. What are you trusting the Lord for? Now, perhaps it's a promise that God has made to you, and you're still waiting for that promise to come to pass. Or perhaps it's a situation that you're facing where you know you really, really need the Lord's help or guidance in terms of this situation or this decision. To trust the Lord with all of our hearts, we need to believe that He is trustworthy. And the Lord is trustworthy. He is trustworthy because He knows you and me so intimately. And He has promised to watch over us all the days of our lives. Listen to these verses that just speak about how well God knows us. And these verses should reassure us that He is trustworthy. First one is Jeremiah 1 verse 5. He says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before you were in the womb, I knew you and appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Now just get your head around that. I mean, God said to Jeremiah, before you were even conceived, I knew you. And I knew the purpose of your life. Psalm 139, verse 13 to 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Each one of us carefully knitted together in our mother's womb. God put us together, giving us our unique personality, our unique gift things, making us who we are. Isaiah 46, verse 4 is one of my favorite scriptures. And uh, this is wonderful for young and old people. Listen to this promise of God. I will be your God throughout your lifetime. Until your hair is white with age, I made you and I will care for you and I will carry you along and save you. I made you. I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. We can trust in God. The Father wants us to trust Him. He knows that this is the very safest way that we can live. You know, sometimes God even uses on-the-job training to teach us how to trust Him. All the people in corporate are going, yeah. <laughs> when I talk about on-the-job training, I mean that He sometimes puts us into a situation where the only thing we can do is to trust the Lord. I remember when I was 27 years old, I was working at a platinum refinery. I'd been there for four years. And uh, when I was offered a, a job at an insurance company in Cape Town, and uh, uh, it might seem strange to you, but I really didn't want to move to Cape Town. Like, I really didn't want to move to Cape Town. And I'd grown up on the west end of Joburg, and uh, my family was there, my friends were there, my church was there, everything I knew was there. 
I didn't know anyone in Cape Town. I knew, actually, I knew one person. And, uh, and so I was like, no, God, I, I, I'm not keen on Cape Town. Uh, but I had this deep sense that the Lord was saying that I must accept this position and go to Cape Town. It was a little bit like when he spoke to Abraham and he said to me, Bruce, leave everything and go to a place that I will show you. It took me two weeks of wrestling with God before I trusted him to obey. And uh, I remember during that time, my best friend Vaughn, he, he slipped me a note and uh, I still <laughs> got what it was written down on that note. I typed it up. It says the following. I feel the Lord saying that he wants you to walk with him. Let him take you where he wants you to go. Where you, when you are with him, you will be secure because you will be aware of his strength so close to you. The way he leads you in may seem hard, but with him by your side, he says you will be fine. Do not fight him because it will make you miserable knowing that you are not following and where you could be but aren't. Now, if I'm honest with you, I wasn't really that happy with my friend. <laughs> I didn't want to move to Cape Town. And uh, shortly afterwards, his wife said to me, she said the following, let go of control to God. Don't rely on what you know from your past experiences. Trust in him. There we go. Trust in him. He will work differently. You know, sometimes it's tough when we get prophetic words <laughs> that are opposite to what we want to do. In the end, it actually took a very tender moment with the Lord to help me step out in faith. It was a Saturday morning, I was in my little flat, and uh, I had had a nap late Saturday morning, and I woke up, and uh, I just sensed the presence of God in a way that was beautiful. Just His presence just filled that room. And, uh, and I knew that here's an opportunity to talk to the Lord. So I sat on the edge of my bed. I had my journal with me. And I began to tell God all over again why I didn't want to go to Cape Town. And I wrote them down, all the points in my journal. And as I finished telling him that, he said to me, Bruce, keep writing. Keep writing. And this is what he told me. You say you want to rely on me and trust me more, to commit the things you do to me and to see my hand work in your life. But here in Johannesburg, you have many support structures. Your family, friends, and church are safe places where you can run to in difficult times. How much easier is it to trust in someone or something that is seen? Furthermore, your life in Joburg is easy you are known at work and at home. You know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and who to call if you need help. Your current environment is preventing me from stretching you so that you may build character. I've shown you clearly who you are, so be secure in me. You know, I'm so grateful. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful for the way the Lord gently but so carefully spoke to me, and it was Based on that conversation, this was the final confirmation, and I accepted that position in Cape Town. I actually ended up living in Cape Town for six years. There were six fabulous years. I absolutely loved it, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> it was wonderful. And, uh, but God actually had a bigger picture for me. He used the company I worked for and the church I joined in Cape Town to prepare me for ministry. And he used Cape Town 
to orchestrate who I would marry and when I would get married. God had a bigger picture. You know, God's ways are far higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God had a bigger plan for Abraham. He looked far into the future. He saw a nation that he would call his own. And he saw his son, the savior of the world, being born into that very nation. His son, Jesus, through whom his promise would be fulfilled. What was his promise? That all the nations on earth would be blessed through Jesus. We don't know the long-term effects of decisions that we make. How much more should this prompt us to seek his counsel in everything and to trust in him with all of our hearts? Point number two, which is lean not on your own understanding. Okay, point three, you have to get right, okay? All right, lean not on your own understanding. Let's reflect again on God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 5 to 6. I just think this promise is so beautiful. I mean, just the whole picture of it is spectacular. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. You know, the very next chapter in the Bible contains an example of leaning on your own understanding. The very next chapter. So if you want to, you can just turn one chapter on to Genesis chapter 16. I'm gonna read verse one to four, and then I'm also gonna read verse 15 to 16. And uh, let's learn how not to lean on our own understanding. So here we go. Genesis 16, verse one to four. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, so she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. So Hagar bore Abraham a son. And Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Now in this story, we see how Abraham and Sarah looked at their situation through, through natural eyes and not through spiritual eyes. It's a, it's a temptation that any of us could fall into, to look at things through our own eyes and not through spiritual eyes. In the natural, all they could see was two old people and 10 years of waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. It's all they could see in the natural. Let me read you a comment in the Life Application Bible. It, it puts it so well, a comment about waiting. It says the following. There probably isn't anything harder to do than to wait, whether we are expecting something good, something bad, or an unknown. One way we often cope with a long wait, or even a shorter one, is to begin helping God get his plan into action. <laughs> Sarah tried this approach. She was too old to expect to have a child of her own, so she thought God must have something else in mind. From Sarah's limited point of view, this could only be to give Abraham a son through another woman, which in actual fact was a common practice in her day. 
The plan worked beautifully at first. But as you read about the events that followed, you will be struck by how often Sarah must have regretted the day that she decided to push God's timetable ahead. Quite sobering. Can I invite you to think again about that area in your life where you are trusting the Lord? Bring it back to mind, that area that you're trusting God for. I urge you, wait for the Lord. Keep trusting in Him. Wait for your Isaac. Whatever you do, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't take matters into your own hands and risk giving birth to an Ishmael. God's timing is always best. Genesis 21 verse 1 to 3 has got such a beautiful, beautiful three verses in the Bible about God's timing being best. Let me read them to you from the New Living Translation. I absolutely love these verses. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. These verses bring such joy to my heart. I trust that they really encourage you too. For two reasons, they bring joy to my heart. Firstly, there is grace in these verses. Abraham and Sarah, like Abraham and Sarah, we can make mistakes. And sometimes mistakes can have very serious consequences. But the Lord doesn't write us off. He doesn't withdraw his covenant promise. He's a redemptive God. Despite what they did, they, God still gave them Isaac, the child of promise. And the second reason why I love these verses is because they are an example of God's faithfulness. The child of promise is born in God's perfect timing and through God's divine power. God watched over his word to perform it. Now, I like Abraham because I can relate to him. There have been times in my life where I've stepped out in faith, and there's also been times in my life where I've let doubt or fear hold me back. And we've just reflected on a time where Abraham and Sarah lent on their own understanding, but now let's reflect on a time where Abraham got trusting in the Lord really, really right. Genesis 22, verse one to three, so you can just page a few pages further forward in your Bibles. This time I'm reading also from the New International Version. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, how's that for quick obedience? The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, packed it into his fencer trailer, <laughs> and set out for the place God had told him about. Do you know that from Beersheba to Moriah, was a three-day journey. It was a three-day journey. Three days of walking in faith. God had clearly said that his promise 
of a great nation was going to happen through Isaac. But here we see Abraham walking in faith, in obedience to God, to sacrifice Isaac as a burnt offering to the Lord. By this stage in Abraham's life, he had a very simple but a very powerful faith. He believed that God would raise Isaac back from the dead. Did you know that? We read about it in Hebrews 11 verse 19 in the New Living Translation. It says, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Listen to this quote by Barry Adams in one of the Catch the Fire teachings. He says the following, We can say that we trust God, but if we live a life that isn't trusting, a life of fear and worry, then perhaps there is still work to do in terms of trusting God. Now, I know that there's still work for me to do in terms of trusting God. I know I'm going to have to keep on listening, keep on obeying, and keep on trusting. Let's continue with the story. Genesis 22, verse 9 to 14. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Once again, can I ask you to think about that area in your life that you're trust, trusting God for, that thing that you're trusting the Lord for. I can imagine that some of you maybe right in the middle of a faith test. Firstly, if you are in the middle of a faith test, uh, remember that God's heart is for you. <laughs> He's, he loves you and that the purpose of the test is to strengthen your character and to deepen your dependence on the Lord. He knows why uh, your faith needs to become stronger. But what do we do uh, when our faith is tested? Um, what do we do when we face a situation that is really, really difficult or uncertain? Well, firstly, we need to keep obeying the Lord. If we just look at lessons from Abraham, we just need to obey the Lord while this is all taking place in our lives. You know, Abraham obeyed even when things didn't make sense. He, he just obeyed. Secondly, we need to listen very carefully for God's voice. So as we are obeying him, we need to be listening, walking and listening. I mean, here's Abraham the angel speaks to him, and he obeys immediately. Thank the Lord that he could hear God's voice so clearly. But the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and if we're going through a test, and a test of our faith, we can be saying, Holy Spirit, please speak to me. Please show me. What, what are you doing? What is happening here? What must I do? What must I do? The same God that spoke to Abraham speaks to us. 
And thirdly, we need to look out for God's provision. So when we're in this faith test, we need to be looking for God's provision. Just like he provided the ram for Abraham, he can provide for us in sudden and miraculous ways. So here we're in an uncertain situation. We're trusting, we're walking in obedience, we're trusting the Lord, and the next minute God goes, here's the open door. And so let's keep on trusting the Lord. Point number three, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Point four, you have to get right, okay? Okay, just a sneak preview. It says, and the Lord will direct your path. So when I go point four, point four that's it. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I've been encouraged recently when speaking to people and somewhere in the conversation they have mentioned, after I had prayed, I sensed the Lord leading me to do this or that. It's so beautiful as a pastor when you're speaking to someone like, yeah, I was praying. Or we as a couple were praying and God said this. It's so wonderful when people seek the Lord. Sometimes you speak to someone and they say, you know, we're not sure yet, but we're really seeking the Lord to guide us. We're really trusting him to guide us. Such a beautiful thing. I've also been encouraged recently by the number of testimonies that I have received, especially through Catch the Fire. So many beautiful testimonies of where people were trusting God and then God came through and then they're like, and God did this, and God did this, and this happened. You know, this is such a delight. Now, Abraham made it a habit of acknowledging God throughout his life, and he did this by calling on the name of the Lord and by worshiping God at altars that he had built. So in Genesis 13, if you want to page a few pages back, verse 3 to 4, we read the following. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel. Remember, he was a shepherd. He had flocks that he had to find pasture for, so he pitched his tents and he moved around. And it says, he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Take note, there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. In the New Living Translation, that last line says, this was the same place where Abraham had built the altar, and there he worshipped the Lord again. Ah, oh, it's so beautiful. There he worshiped the Lord again. Altars of prayer and praise are a sign that we are living our lives dependent on the Lord, that we are trusting him. Can you think back to altars that you have built to the Lord? Times in your life where you have earnestly sought the Lord and his will and then you've experienced God's presence and you've praised him and you've given him thanks. I shared earlier about that day in that little flat where God's presence filled the room and where he spoke to me so carefully and so kindly, that for me was an altar moment. Our worship and communion services, the first Sunday of every month, are, are an altar moment for me. At our Pastors Connect this past Wednesday, we took some time going around the table to share testimonies of what we are thankful to the Lord for, for what he has done for us this year. That was an altar moment. Abraham pitched his tent but he built altars. And long after he moved his tent to another place, the altar stood as a reminder of God's faithfulness. That is where I spoke to God. That is where I gave thanks to God. Abraham acknowledged the Lord in all his ways. Point number four. Ah, uh, you get a free cappuccino. <laughs> My final point is a brief one and he shall direct your paths. Let's do some ticking off. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, tick. And lean not on your own understanding, tick. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him. Seek his will. Tick. What's going to happen? And he will direct your paths. God doesn't promise that our lives will always be easy, but he does promise to faithfully shepherd us through every season. When we truly trust in him to direct our paths, we will discover a divine peace. No longer do we need to stress and strive or fight for our rights. One example of this is when Abraham and Lot, uh, when a bit of conflict had arisen between the two herdsmen because their families had grown too big to sustain them in one area. So here we see Abraham, he doesn't fight, he doesn't stress, he doesn't strive, he just trusts in the Lord. Genesis 13, verse 89, Abraham said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. You know, Abraham is the elder man here. He's the prophet of God. He could say, I'm taking first choice, but he doesn't. He doesn't fight for the fertile plains. He's at peace, for his ways are in the hands of the Lord. He knew that God would direct his path, and God gave him the whole land as his inheritance to him and to his children and his children's children. I'd like to conclude with a few lines of a poem titled, God Knows written by a missionary named Minnie Louise Haskins. Uh, the poem gives a wonderful picture of what trusting in the Lord looks like. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth, and finding the hand of God, trod gladly into the night. And he led me towards the hills and the breaking of day in the lone east. How many of you can relate to that poem? Perhaps you are facing something that is uncertain, and you wish you could have some clarity. You wish you could have a nicely lit path, a nice map showing you the way. But deep down, you know that God is asking you to trust him and that his presence will be better than light and safer than a known way. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the life of Abraham and his example of faith, which he leaves us and he gives to us. Oh, Father, I thank you that your word says we can trust in you with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, we can acknowledge you and you will direct our paths. Father, I thank you that you know each person in the house, you know each person that's watching online or on television or listening on Impact Radio. You know what they brought before you, that area in their life that they're trusting you. Lord, I pray that as they trust you, as they lean not on their own understanding, as they acknowledge you and seek your guidance and seek your counsel, I pray that you will direct their paths. Father, we commit our lives to your hands. We thank you that we can put ourselves into your hand. We thank you that you're a faithful shepherd, that you are trustworthy. Lord, may our lives be a legacy of faith, just like Abraham's was. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody.